ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank, I'm Branham, it's Joe George behind the glass, and it is a Taco Tuesday edition of The Killer Beast. You made it up. LeBron didn't. LeBron certainly didn't. LeBron flops a lot. I'm sick and tired of LeBron James. I'm with you. Sick and tired of LeBron James. A lot of good basketball in the city yesterday. Houston goes into Austin, college basketball, number four team in the country, and they win at Texas in overtime. That was a fun game. Gutty, gritty. I, U of I wanted H that Cooper one basketball bad. is fun to watch. It, they was a, it was a gritty win. Uh, they jumped out to the big lead. Texas got hot, only for the Cougars to come back, eventually send it to overtime. And I thought Houston controlled that overtime period. That was that was nice to see. How about this uh, How about this week for Houston, by the way? At Texas yesterday, and what was a sold out? Moody Center's gorgeous. Uh, they should That's be crazy. very the happy. The whole upper deck with the video screens is pretty badass. It's, yeah, it's apparently they're a uh, you can lift those like for concerts, uh-huh. like and there's seats behind those, so they're they're like they're like um, what would you normally call them? Like blinds or whatever, not blinds. What would you call them? Yeah, you're, you're, curtains. Okay, like you know how the some arenas have curtains whenever yeah. they can't sell those seats. Those, those are curtains that you can't sit there for basketball, but for events and concerts, those open up and it has more seating. That's, that's awesome because cool. uh, Fran Fraschilla was saying on the broadcast last night the Doobie Brothers yeah. were there the night before. That's why they didn't. That's why Houston didn't practice in the uh, uh, Moody Center the night before. Yeah, but it's a uh, it is it is really is a, a beautiful arena. Uh, but nice to go in there. Uh, nice to get a victory. Houston uh, continuing to roll four wins now in a row in the Big Twelve. But how about this week? You're at Austin on Monday, and then you're at. Fog Allen on Saturday. Yeah, I saw that. That's Saturday tough. afternoon, that's a big one. That's tough. Can't wait for that one. Uh, and then you had, on the NBA side of things, the, the Houston Rockets get a big win against the Laker team that they're trying to chase for a play-in. These two teams have developed like a pretty good rivalry between the two. And I think it started with Dylan Brooks carrying that over from Memphis. You had Ime Adoka saying some not-so-pleasant things right to LeBron's face. And I'm getting, I'm sick and tired of LeBron. The, the catering especially to LeBron James. There was three different instances yesterday, Blankers. I was watching the game this morning. Went back and watched this morning on the shin. Uh, he LeBron cried diff- three different times in this game. First time, Cam Whitmore handed him the basketball, and LeBron's looking around like he's lost, and they somehow call a delay of game on Cam Whitmore, even though he helped out LeBron by handing him the basketball. It kept that old man from having to bend down. So he's crying about that, like Cam Whitmore asked him about the book he was reading. Then he's crying at the Houston Rocket bench during free throw, saying, oh, you guys always like to talk you guys always like to talk. And then he, look, D- Dylan Brooks deserved a flagrant on that second one. I, I don't think it was, like, intentional. But he, he came down with his hand, hit him in the face. I think it was fair to have a flagrant on Dylan Brooks. Probably should have had a fa- flagrant on the Jared Vanderbilt no layup, too, to be honest. But then he, he, he flops on that, and he's laying on the ground for over a minute. You telling me that LeBron James, one of the biggest dudes in the NBA, one of the baddest sons of the guns in the history of the NBA, is going to lay on the floor for a minute, a minute and a half after he got a finger to the nose? What a baby. I'm from Wisconsin, and he just gave everyone a lesson in milking it. Because all he did was the minute the contact was made, he went down like a sniper in the top level of the arena, decided to take him out, and he just writhered on the ground until someone cared enough to say they were going to review the call. He does it all the time. This is why it always annoys me, infuriates me to, a, to just another level 
at, at the different ways when people try to make this he's the greatest of all time comparison. You didn't see Kobe do that. You didn't see Michael do that. You didn't see a lot of the other greats do that. You see LeBron do it all the time. He's constantly, the Adoka thing is another one, where Adoka just calls him out on his BS. They're whining about every single call. They're soft about every single whistle. They want more. The, the Cam Whitmore thing, you know, in college, you can do that. You can hand the ball, and you would know better than me, but you can hand the ball to the other team to take it out of bounds. In the NBA, you're not supposed to touch it at all. But the fact that he's whining because he wants that call and then because of the second hit, and look, I don't like either one of the plays from Dylan Brooks. I don't like the fact that he overdoes the chippiness to where he picks up stupid fouls when you could re- he'd be better off suited for you on the court without foul trouble. Doesn't bother me. But the fact that he got the two, you know, the, he got those, and that's what it took to get LeBron fired up to where they would actually make a run late in the game to try and play real basketball because they were getting their ass kicked all night long. They were getting out hustled, out rebounded. The offensive rebounds that the young guys for the Rockets were pulling down was fun to watch. And you watched a team that looked like they had given up and and just were mailing it in for three quarters, and then it took that to fire up the quote-unquote great LeBron James? That was the first time I've really seen him kind of wilt. Because like a lot of that comeback wasn't even really him. No. That's like that's the first time I've seen him really wilt to some trash talk, and that's why I, I feel like the Rockets and the Lakers we we kind of are deserved a Rockets Lakers play in matchup. That would be a lot of fun because I think be. the series split it too. They've had some drama. They've had some intensity. It doesn't seem like these two teams like each other. Starting with Dylan and LeBron, but now you have like Cam Whitmore, and Cam Whitmore's out of respect. He just yeah. wants to be really good against who he called the you know the best player ever. You have Jabari mean mugging. Ime doesn't really like LeBron because he flops and he's soft and Ime's not. He's tough. Um, so I, this would be awesome if we actually saw this. I'm not going to call it postseason basketball, but the basketball that's played right after the regular season and just before the postseason, the uh, the play-in tournament. That would be a really cool to see. Uh, speaking of Cam Whitmore, speaking of uh, uh, Jalen Green as well, I've seen a lot of this uh, this discourse out there that, oh, you know, we Cam Whitmore should be playing more than Jalen Green. Uh, bench Jalen Green for Cam Whitmore. Tra- trade Jalen Green because you, you need to see a little bit more of Cam Whitmore. And I like Cam Whitmore. I like Cam Whitmore a lot. Now, Jalen Green's in a bit of a heater as well. Why can't you like both of these guys? They can coexist. We saw them play two times separately in that game yesterday where they were on the floor together and they were thriving together. They were playing in the second half. I think it was early second quarter, rather. And they went on a big run with those two guys on the floor. You can have both of them on the floor. They were both on the floor again in the second half for a good period of time. You don't have to choose between Jalen and Cam. You can have both of them. And if Cam's going to continue to explode from his potential standpoint, like we've been saying, the outburst he had late in the first quarter yesterday was awesome. That was really, really fun. But it's cool to see this Jalen Green heater as well. If the Rockets are going to ever be a championship nucleus, I think that Jalen Green and Cam Whitmore are your two starting wing players, quite honestly. I was thinking about it last night watching this game going, this is what everybody was hoping for when they started getting all these draft picks, getting all these young players and stockpiling this young roster, that you were going to see it develop into where you have one through seven, one through eight, where you've got young, talented players that look like they're going to be with you for the long haul that can do a lot of different things. They can play multiple positions. They understand defense. you got a coach that can coach them. Look, I would throw Amen Thompson in there from the simple standpoint of, especially if you have those two guys on the wings, Amen looks like from his activity, his rebounding, his length, his ability to see the floor, his athleticism, yeah, we know he's got to work on his shot, but that's a guy that can do a lot to facilitate buckets, to make sure that you get buckets, and he can play defense too. 
Tari, when he's back, he fits into that mold too. Shengun, we know. And then, of course, like you said, Cam and Jalen. The worst case scenario for people that want to see one of them traded or want to, you know, like makes this comparison is the best case scenario for Rockets fans. If all these guys pan out, then you can kind of pass the torch. There's going to be nights they're going to be off. You know, one or the other's going to be off. Cam gave you instant offense last night. Now, he sometimes takes some bad shots. He's still learning the NBA game as he goes. But I really firmly believe the benefit he has that Jalen has never had, which was the first two the first two years were thrown away and lost because of the coaching of Steven Silas and his staff. The fact that Cam is into the league and immediately being coached up by Udoka, which is why he went to the G League, which is why they gave him the things he had to work on and understand better. When he came back, he was seasoned. He understood it. He fit in better. Jalen never had that luxury. But the fact that you have both of those guys, you have Ahmed and the guys I mentioned, this team's nucleus right now is exciting, and if it continues to, to develop and mature together, there's no reason to believe this team can't become a solid playoff team. Yeah, see, I, I think that the ceiling's really high. Now, you're still extremely far away from that ceiling because all of the players are really young. Like, you have a starting five of dudes who are, I, I don't know the ages of all five of them off the top of my head, but I bet you they're all 22 and younger. Amin Thompson, like uh, Fred Van Vliet, obviously your starting point guard, but I'm going you're all 22 and under team. Uh, Amin Thompson, Jalen Green, Cam Whitmore, Jabari Smith, and then Alpi Shingoon. Like, all those guys are in their early 20s. And yes, they all have a, a good way to go to reach their ceiling, but every single one of those guys has the potential to be very, very good. And if all or most of those guys hit their potential, you got the makings of something really, really special, in my opinion. And that's what frustrates me about Jalen Green. And I understand it's a microwave society. We need it fast and we need it now, blah, 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 blah. But Jalen Green does things on the floor that very few people are capable of doing. Yes, his shooting can be questionable at times. Yes, he's streaky at times. But he can do things on the basketball floor that not many people can do. So how do you bring out the best of him consistently? That's the job of Ime Adoka. I don't understand the whole, let's let's quit on a 21-year-old who's capable of 20, scoring 20 points a game. Let's quit on a 21-year-old who, over the last four games, is grabbing eight rebounds a game and averaging nearly 30 points a game. And I understand that's a small sample, but he literally averaged over 20 points a game last year. So I, I, I don't like the impatience when it comes to Jalen Green. I'm also super bullish on the potential and the future of the Houston Rockets surrounded by all of those young players. And I think that if the Rockets are ever to win a title in the next decade, it's going to be because of those five players. Yeah, no, no doubt. And you know, look, I throw Tari into the mix as your sixth man. You've got six guys. And then the way I look at the progression is by the time Fred is towards the end of his contract, by the time Dylan Brooks is at the end of his contract, you may be willing to go a totally different direction. Maybe you want to bring those guys back, but the price would have to obviously be different. But maybe you're in a different situation then, and and players around the league are more attracted to your situation here, and you have a chance to upgrade the veterans that add to this team. But the fact that you have six young core guys sitting there is a massive plus. You see what Oklahoma City's doing this year. You see the way that Sam Presti just continued to add young talent, young talent, young talent. You hit on some, you miss on some, but at the end of the day, so did Rafael Stone because you know what? We think about Garuba and Ty Ty Washington and the guys that they threw along the wayside, but the guys that they have right now, and you and I talked about this, don't trade Jalen unless you absolutely, or, or start entertaining trading Jalen until you feel like you are backed into a corner and you have to trade Jalen. You still have plenty of time for him and you and the entire organization to figure it out and see what he can be. 
But don't be in a rush because you – know, and you look at all the social media. Every time he has a good game, no one's no one's saying a word. Every time he has a bad game, bail on him now, get rid of him, throw him out. The, he's got to go. You're not in a rush to do that because it would be a stupid business basketball decision. Yeah, see, it's – I, I'm very impatient with the impatient crowd because like I, I can understand development. Like look at it, look at I'm gonna do a study uh, when the all star teams are announced and every single all star player, where were they when they were twenty one years old? I bet you you would be surprised by the results because well, you know, he has this potential, so he should be an all star now. And I understand that his game can be frustrating. Like he he has taken bad shots. He has been somebody who is very streaky from the outside and is not a good three point shooter, uh, quite frankly. He's actually went back Backwards in his three years in the NBA, Jalen Green was a better three-point shooter his rookie year than his second year, and a better three-point shooter in his second year than his third year. And that stuff is frustrating. But also, like, what is he going through? This is the first time in his life that he's been asked to play winning team basketball. And that is tough for a guy to all of a sudden try to recalculate and recondition who he is. And I, I think that, look, last four games, small sample, but we're starting to see him become more confident. We're seeing more fluidity to his game. And maybe he's somebody that needs that confidence in order for him to have big games. And even if he has a stinker in the next game, maybe he's going to go downhill for a little bit. But at the same time, he's 21 years old. Like yeah. You should expect inconsistencies from somebody who's 21 years old. And the thing, too, Jeremy, is that sometimes he's just, you know, they when you – People don't understand how difficult it is for literally a kid, a kid to enter the league of grown men and then try to have your arms around and control of everything that's going on. We found this and I found it like a week or so ago, but he even he had even put on his Instagram post about there was an old guy with his back turned to the camera and it said sometimes you can't get out of your own head enough to actually enjoy the ride. And it made me believe that you know, he's listening too much about what everybody else says. When he, he's pressing too hard because he expects that he's got to live up to what everybody else's expectation is. When he just realizes if he just goes with the flow, follows the system, and and basically relaxes a little bit, you'll see more games like he's played over the last couple than all the stinkers and the bombs that he's dropped along the way because he's pressing too hard. Yeah, and he's going he's gonna to have a bad game here and there. Like he, this, sure. He's not out of it. He's still going to struggle, but you should expect that. Like, get, get a little bit of a grasp of reality and control what is realistic for a 21-year-old basketball player. People call him a bust at 21. What was Jermaine O'Neal doing at 21? He was sitting on the end of the bench. 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. All this to say about Jalen Green, and there's some reports out there that he might be on the trade block? What? What is the state of the Rockets offseason additions? You mentioned Fred Van Vliet, that he can kind of pass that torch, but he's on a three-year contract. Do we want him here all three years? And are you tired of Dylan Brooks' antics? 713-780-ESPN, the HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. We're on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. He's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Branham. Joe's at Joe George Radio. A busy show, cash it or trash it with the Killer Bees today. Michael Lombardi, host of the GM Shuffle podcast, former NFL executive and GM. He'll be joining us at 4 o'clock as well. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92. Two, five. First a moment on HRP though. Human resources and payrolls. Cougar owned by my colleague. Go Cougs. Always a good day to be a Cougar. Members of the Cougar 100 for the eighth year in a row. You've seen the HRP signage at U of H games. I drove by their building uh, off the Beltway the other day. I think when we were on our way to uh, to the decoy, I drove by HRP's building on the Beltway. Business owners, let HRP help you. That's what you really care about. Whether it's HR compliance, benefits administration, payroll, onboarding, HRP can help in any or all of those areas. There's no boxes with HRP. Doesn't matter how 
how small the job, how big the job, HRMP will completely customize a plan for what you and your business need. You have a problem, you have an issue, you want to take a little off your plate, HRMP will find a way to help. They do it in a way that's unique as technology meets service. They have the best technology, you'll love that, but you will love their service. Guaranteed fulfillment, you'll never talk to a stranger, you'll be talking to someone who knows you and knows your business needs. Give them a call at 281-880-6525 and let HRMP customize a plan for you, 281-880-6525, or check them out at hrp.net, that's hrp.net. All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. 3780 funny. I don't remember hearing this stuff when James Harden was here and flailing around trying to get fouls called. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the... I don't really care about flailing around for the foul calls. Like, eh. Like, there's a little bit of soccer embellishment there. I think the way you eliminate that is you stop rewarding that. It's the only way you'll ever eliminate that. I don't like the softness. I don't like a guy laying down on the floor for three and a half minutes because they got slapped by somebody's pinky on the nose. Come, like, what are you doing? Like the re- And why is he doing that? Because he's trying to sell the call to get Dylan Brooks ejected. And then did you see LeBron James argue with the official after they upgraded it to a flagrant and they didn't kick him out of the game? Well, he like, nuts. he threw a fit. Yeah. He threw a fit. They should give him an Oscar for that performance. He's taken to Hollywood very, very well. This, like, is, I, this is also the most famous basketball player in the world. This is the centerpiece and the front man for everything NBA. He's won multiple titles. He's the all-time leading scorer. James Harden, aside from a, a, the window of the run that he went on here, and people were still questioning, like, what he was doing, how he was doing it, the fact that, you know, he was all offense, no defense, and he didn't have any of those kind of accomplishments and accolades when it comes to team and winning. It's a totally different story because at least LeBron plays defense and he's willing to go down and body guys up and he's willing to go down, and especially as his career has kind of changed and evolved, but he's been willing to play defense. James Harden never was interested in anything but scoring points for a majority of his career. No, yeah, I I think LeBron's a great player. I just don't like the crying that he does. It's why Ime Adoka had some choice words for LeBron uh, the first time that they played. Uh, this guy keeps telling me about the 24 hours of Daytona. I, I read the text. Uh, I'll check it out. Uh, does Whitmore play Jalen Green's position? He kicked butt last night. That's from Zach. Kind of. I mean, they're both twos, but I think you can play. I'm, I'm more of a... I believe that you play a point guard, two wings, and usually a stretch four and a big. So I really don't see a whole lot of difference between a two and a three. They can easily, and they did yesterday. They did yesterday on two different occasions, be on the floor at the same time. Uh, Jalen's capable of playing the two or the three. Cam Whitmore's capable of playing the two or the three. The way that the you know, NBA likes to go small nowadays anyways, like Dylan Brooks can play a stretch four. He might be a little bit undersized, but he's capable of playing a stretch four. Jalen Green has the leaping ability that if you want to go small, he can play the four a little bit. Cam Whitmore's pretty strong where he can play the four a little bit. So I don't see any issues, any problems with those two long-term being able to be on the floor at the same time. I think it's a myth. No, and especially when you're looking for offense, and this is an offensive-driven league, you're looking for guys that can put the ball in the basket. And and what the Rockets don't have a, a premium on is shooters. They don't have a lot. They don't have shooters that can just sit on the perimeter and knock down shots, right? They have guys that can make shots when they're open. But in, instead, then, what Udoka does is he loads up with, with, instead, guys that can put the ball in the basket from a variety of different ways. Van Vliet can penetrate. He also has, you know, obviously great court vision. So does, uh, so does Alpi down low. 
If you took those two wings and put them on the court with Van Vliet and those are your one, two, three, it doesn't matter if they're one, two, or three. As long as they can play defense on the other end and stay in front of a, a, of a two or you know be able to hang with a three, then all three of those guys are just your guards, and then you can play two bigs. A- and those bigs don't have to be huge. Mm-hmm. We know that because of foul trouble, you'd like to have another extra big to back up Alpi. But overall, it's a different kind of NBA. That's why they, even from the all-star balloting, they changed the set, having to have a center because it's just more offensively driven. A lot of times you don't even have two bigs. A lot of times the four is just like a a big three. Like you that see can that. Defend, yeah, yeah. You see. Well, I mean, it depends on the matchups. You might have both teams that go to just a bigger, small forward that plays the four. Uh, it just depends. Like it, you don't see that many bigs nowadays in the NBA. It's pretty rare. And a four probably has to be able to shoot the three nowadays. No doubt. Nine six four seven. LeBron's a bad word. The greats act. Well, the greats would act like you couldn't hurt them. That's true. That's true. Like that's the biggest comparison that I I, I make. Like I mentioned in the opening segment, the the biggest thing with Michael and Kobe is they did they, they they did not want to let you think you got to them at all. Even when the Pistons were knocking Mike on the ground, or you know people were going to try and take Kobe's legs out, they wouldn't show a bit of emotion in, or whimper or you know. Now there were times that they might talk to an official, but it was not the flopping and the writhing around and the every possession up and down the floor. And it just gets old. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, speaking of Dylan Brooks, are you tired of his antics? I'm extremely tired of his antics. And, and I think that last night pushed me over the top because of the fact that you could actually have hurt uh, Vanderbilt. You, you could have hurt him, and it was unnecessary. And when I watched the replay multiple times on the LeBron thing, he looks straight down and, 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 and then kind of strategically chops down whether he was trying to hit him in the face or not. It's a different story. But overall... It's that, and then it's the fact that he gets so tied up in making sure that he keeps talking and instigating LeBron that he gets two chippy fouls at midcourt, and he gets his fourth foul, and he's got to sit down. And you know he's one of your better defenders. And we just talked about he can guard multiple positions. And and, and when you're playing a team that has some size up front, it's better to have him available and on the court than sitting on the bench still drawing to LeBron James. And there's a reason why, as much as it worked for a while in Memphis, the majority of his teammates soured on it and soured on him because of it in Memphis. I like the fact that there's toughness involved. I don't like it when he takes it too far, and I thought last night he took it way too far. I'm here for it. Uh, I like uh, I like a player on my team that's going to kind of toe the line on being a tough son of a gun and maybe even to the point where he's a little dirty. Like I don't mind that. Uh, I think that uh, most good teams have players that are willing to – get a little dirty, that are willing to scrap a little bit, that are going to try to get under the skin of uh, the other players. I have no issue uh, with that. Dylan the villain, no problem. Now, if it's a tight game, you're making stupid fouls. There's there's a difference between making a stupid play versus a play trying to get somebody under somebody else's skin. Lakers never got it to with under with under 10 points. I, I think the lead was always double digits once you built the lead. So the game was never really in jeopardy. Have no qualms at all with Dylan Brooks' antics. From well, my point I hate him. I, the fact that the Vanderbilt play, if you go back and look at it, and this is what happens when a, when a, a guy like Grayson Allen takes out an Alex Caruso on a play like that last year, and, and Caruso falls down and, and breaks his wrist, and he's out for two months. And prior to that, it was uh, Stoudemire pr- pulled Andrew Bogut down from behind on the same kind of a layup, and Bogut's career was never the same because he had that much physical limitation based on the injury he suffered. The fact is, is it's one thing because I'm with you. If you you if you want a guy like a Tony Allen that's going to basically you can say whatever you want to him, and Vernon was like this. 
he's going to come at you. He's going to come at you harder and with more if you start talking to him. And you, and you, the under your skin, that's fine. But when you take it too far, you get stupid fouls or you're doing the things that he did last night to, like, intentionally. If it happens in the middle of being physical, it's one thing. If it looks like it's intentional trying to be physical and doing it the way he did it, I, I just think there's no place for it. Vanderbilt got ejected out of the game. That's a win for the Rockets. He, yeah, but he was pissed off because of the fact that that was a dirty-ass play. I don't care that he's mad. I care that he's ejected the rest of the game. It, it increases the Rockets' opportunity to win a basketball game. I care game. a lot if Jared Vanderbilt blows a knee out or something because of a cheap shot. shot did he? But he, he did, but he didn't. Thank God he did He didn't. Like, I don't want him to get hurt either. But I'm also not going to play the game of basketball and start to do things that I normally wouldn't do because I'm fearful of somebody else getting hurt. Like, oh, I shouldn't cross this guy over because I'm scared he's going to break his ankles. That's like, different. I can't. That's, it's different. It's I mean, different eh. if a guy is in the air and has lost the ability to control his body. Whatever happened, and you no shove layups. him in the back because it's a different era of basketball. No, now. just because it's a it's totally different, different. Just era because of basketball. the rest of the league plays that way doesn't mean you have to. Ime Adoka is a tough son of a gun. Ime Adoka wants to have a physical brand of basketball. Basketball. They he doesn't want to ball, allow Jeremy, easy They layups. go for the ball, and if that's what you want to do, then do it the way the rules state to do it. But a cheap shot in the back that could have literally – the way he landed – It wasn't landed, even a flagrant. It should have been. It should have been. You're yeah, right, but yeah. it wasn't. <laughs> it should have been. I agree with you. And, the other, and, and how it affects the team is this: there's happened multiple times this year where he's done this to others or even in a, in a game against LeBron. Thankfully, there have been blow, the Rockets blew him out. One other time, they they pretty much had their way with the Lakers, or they lost in L.A. But the fact is, late in the games, he's one of your better defenders. You want him on the floor, and too many times he takes it too far after the initial in- interaction by getting cheap fouls or hitting someone in the groin when you don't need it, and then picking up a cheapie there. You, you just I don't mind the toughness. I, I hate the cheapness. I, I like my team to be the most physical team on the floor. And do you a, have I think to, there's a difference between uh, physical and cheap. I mean, I think it's a very, very thin line. And I think that in order, and I think that Dylan Brooks, in order for Dylan Brooks to be the best Dylan Brooks, I think sometimes he's right on the fence of that line. I think sometimes he does cross the line. Uh, did he cross the line yesterday? Yeah, you can make the case that he did. Now, it wasn't ruled a flagrant, although we agree that it should have been ruled a flagrant. Um, but that's who he is. Like, And you knew that whenever you signed him to a big contract. And there's a reason that Ime Adoka wanted that type of mindset. He wanted that type of physical player on his basketball team. And I have to – I give Ime Adoka the benefit of the doubt there. Like, I want to be the toughest team on the floor. I don't want the other team to be the toughest team on the floor. And if you watch that game yesterday – and look, did Dylan Brooks set the tone? Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But if you watch that game, who was the toughest team? Oh, well, there's no doubt. Mentally and physically, besides Dylan Brooks, the fact is is they, they took it right to the Lakers, and they just drilled them because of the fact that, you know, I'm tired of watching a Lakers team that people make excuses for. The the one thing that I really loved more than anything else to show just, if you want to call it toughness, but just the want to, were the offensive rebounds last night and the fact that every loose ball the Rockets were attacking and the Lakers were just like, eh. Yeah, I give me give me the tough team. Like, and I know sometimes that it uh, it can border it can border on that uh, that dirtiness. Sometimes it's just gonna though if you're gonna be if you're committed to playing tough physical basketball. See, I think you can be tough and physical without being cheap and and do the stuff that he takes it too far and does a lot of times now. I, I think that if he just focused on being the most physical guy on the court, there's no and and kept it between the lines. I'm fine with that. Go for the ball last night. I'm fine with that. But the fact that. You you know you've seen people get seriously hurt when a guy's up in the air, and that's just a no no. And I thought that that was bad, 
And, and I just think that there's been too much of the antics. Like the, 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 the multiple times he's hit someone in the groin, that's not tough. That's cheap. I bet you they think twice about setting a screen the next time. I bet you someone thinks about drilling him harder in the same area. But you can tell he's not worried about it. Okay. Because he, he's taking the fight to them. I like that mentality. 713-780-ESPN. HRP listener line 713-780-3776. So he felt really good that Bobby Slowick was not going to be a head coach in the NFL. And he was going to be back as the Texans offensive coordinator. Well, Ben Johnson is up to some of his old tricks. He's staying in Detroit. What does this mean for Bobby Slowick, the Texans' offensive coordinator? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Most bees make honey. These Killer Bees make great sports insights, but they also make honey. Don't ask about the process. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's Joel and Jeremy. He's blank on Branham, 9470. Patrick Beverly was not cheap, but Dylan Brooks definitely is. LOL, love it. It depends on who you ask. If you ask Russell Westbrook what he thinks of Patrick Beverly, I bet you he would say that he was cheap. Remember he tore his meniscus in that playoff okay, series? Yep. Uh, 6690 with the Pistons have beaten the Bulls without the physical antics. And why did Jordan want Rodman? I'm curious what Blankers thinks. I think it was a different era of NBA basketball, but I think that from the standpoint of without the antics, they were still a damn good basketball team. The Pistons were loaded. They had Vinnie Johnson off the bench and Dumars and, and Isaiah might have been the best backcourt. They were big up front. They were capable. They were versatile and they were capable. Now, that kind of helped them. They used that as motivation and the whole team was basically in on it and there were a lot of guys doing it. In this case, it's just Dylan Brooks and, and, and I think that, again... No, not, it, I mean, not, not in the league. He's no, not the only I'm one in the league. team versus team. The Pistons had multiple guys that were going to do that. Yeah, guys Jordan like James was. Edwards and all this. Jordan, at a certain point, didn't get Rodman to combat that per se. He got Rodman to combat the fact that he, his bigs were not really willing to get physical, and his bigs, no matter how big they were in stature, didn't play anything close to the way the Pistons did. And he thought that they needed athleticism and rebounding, and he got exactly what he needed. Yeah, I, I see. I nitpicked the different era thing. Like, why? Because of the NBA changing the way that it is versus the way it used to be should dictate the way that you play. Uh, I have a problem with that. Like, I don't care what the trends are. I don't care what the style of play is in the NBA these days. I care about winning. That's what I care about. I couldn't care less about the trends around the league and how the game's currently being played. No, my I point, care about doing whatever you can to win a game. My point on style of play is different is a lot of the stuff they did because they got away with it mm-hmm. and because there weren't flagrants called at the level they were called. There weren't ejections the way they were called now. Mm-hmm. There's no way that the, the, the bad boy Pistons of today would survive more than half a season or less than that because of the fact that that's what I'm saying. It's a different era. Sure. It's a different way of calling a game, and you can't touch anybody. I mean, back in that era, you you didn't need to forearm check a guy on the perimeter. You could grab, pull. If they were going through the lane, you could clothesline them. And so they did until someone told them and right. tried to stop them. They did a whole lot more. Yeah, everybody knows that. But I'm saying that just because the NBA is more like – soft now i'm not gonna be soft because the rest of the league is i think that that's silly but again i'm drawing the line between there's a toughness versus soft that i'm totally for a toughness but a cheapness that could that borders on like dangerous it's not something that i'm going to condone and not something that i'm going to back and not something i think the league needs because i i mentioned there are guys out there 
that make their whole living out of being that tough defend, defensive guy. Tony Allen was the guy that came to mind that because of his background and everything else, but Patrick Beverly is a guy like that. But Pat eventually, because he started to slip defensively, he started to get more of a cheap shot kind of antics guy than a true tough defender later in his career. But there are, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of history with guys that came in to just defend and be tough and take you know, take whatever kind of verbal you want to give them and give it back to you. And they made a hell of a living. Yeah. I don't think we're going to change each other's minds no, on this. Right. Uh, two different, uh, two different mindsets. Uh, Jabari Smith has been named to the rising stars game. If you care about that, no rookie for the Rockets has. So no, Amin, no Cam Whitmore. Uh, I couldn't care less about individual accolade. And you know, this Joe said that apparently the G league is involved in this. Why, why are we putting the minor league in, in like in a game that's highlighting the next NBA stars? Cause they need someone to don't win the like that. Contest. Yeah. I think that's stupid too. It is absolutely stupid, but that's an NBA marketing ploy. Yeah, I think it's a bad one. I think it's a bad marketing ploy. Also, Gardner Minshew has been named to the Pro Bowl team, which he's going to join uh, C.J. Stroud on the Pro Bowl team. This is why you should never use Pro Bowls to tr- describe personal accolade. I, I This is why I went off on my tangent the other day. I do not care about who makes the Pro Bowl team. Why? Because by the time you get to the Pro Bowl, you're going to have jabronis who have no business being in the Pro Bowl game, being in, it's not even a game, being in this fake Pro Bowl. Gardner Midshew is a Pro Bowler. Like Tyler Huntley used to be yep. a Pro Bowler. If those guys are Pro Bowlers, that disqualifies the ability to use Pro Bowl selections on the career accolades for a player. It's the same thing in baseball. Remember they did that goofy thing two years ago where they had this Legends All-Star appearance for Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera? Hey, because you're veterans of the game and you've been here forever, we're going to honor your career by making you an All-Star. The moment you do that disqualifies the ability to be able to use all-star pro ball appearances as career accolades. So if I see all-star appearances on the career accolades of Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera, I'm going to spit at it. Uh, same thing with all these NFL football players. Whenever we're talking about the legacy of who's in the pro Bowl this year, let's just say Lamar Jackson, and you start saying pro bowls, I'm going to ignore that. You cannot use that for career accolades because Tyler Huntley ruined that. Gardner Midshew ruins that. Miguel Cabrera legend ruins that all of these it's it's a it's a huge mistake and you need to stop using these as career accolades yeah the the biggest thing you look at is the all pro team because the all pro team are the guys that play the game and the people around the game and that's what really matters even to the players because they know that 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 is recognized by their peers and it is it's a farce who makes the pro bowl game the pro bowl itself is is a farce the fact that you know, there may be more of a chance of guys getting hurt now with some of the crap that they're doing than the game itself, and the game was a joke. So you could just be named to teams, but, you know, all it's going to take is, just like the flag football game, you know, a couple years ago on the beach, someone's going to do one of these contests, and they're going to get screwed up or hurt too. And even the commercial and the promo they run, where there's like a flag, in the flag football game, the receiver's going in to score, I think it's Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase, mm-hmm. flips it back, and a D-back just levels them. I'm like, okay. Just be careful what you wish for because you're telling everybody no one can get hurt. It's flag football until someone does. I don't want Stroud. and like, well, They're all going to be there. Stroud, Anderson. I can say uh, Laramie Tunsil's name now because the Texans season's over. 
I don't want them playing dodgeball. No. I don't want them playing flag football. I don't want them to do any of these things. And, and call me uh, Buzzkill Branham. You can call me Wet Blanket Branham. Cool. I care about the Houston Texans winning games in 2024 and playing in these silly little events that's going to get somebody hurt. Uh, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. And I, I especially don't like if we're talking about some guys like Hall of Fame candidacy. Well, he went to, he went to a Pro Bowl. Who cares? Who cares that he went to a Pro Bowl? Tyler Huntley went to a Pro Bowl. Gardner Minshew now is a Pro Bowler. Mitch Trubisky was a Pro Bowler. It means nothing to be a Pro Bowler. No, nothing. It, it's it's a joke. Like when when Huntley made it, everybody around the league had that final nail in the coffin. That was already what people were thinking, which is the Pro Bowl is just useless. And and you know, getting named to the Pro Bowl just lost all of its shine, all of the respect. Just anything that you could have imagined when you were a young player growing up saying, I want to make the Pro Bowl. Like, you want to make an all-star team. You want to be in any league. Obviously, you want to be recognized as that. Mm -hmm. But when that became what you just said and the guys that we just named off that are making these teams, then the luster's off and you're like, I just want to be an all-pro and I want to be, you know, looked at by my peers and respected. King of Twitch, just give them a trip to Mexico. That's exactly what you need to do. 9198, you'll spin on Pujols and Cabrera's all-star appearances because of one token season that's done. I'm not spinning on all of them. I'm just spinning on that one. I I don't know off the top of my head how many all-star appearances Pujols and Cabrera made, but let's say they made it 10 times each and and counting the token one. Whenever they're sitting there giving their Hall of Fame speech and they're saying, well, I was a 10-time all-star. No, you weren't. You were a nine-time All-Star. And the All-Star appearances mean nothing because your commissioner ruined the ability to use that as this little token of measurement uh, to establish your big league career and how good you are. They were both really good. They are both really good. It's more Manfred than Pujols Cabrera, although Pujols might have had a very special bat. Allegedly, he's been known to sue radio host. And, I don't want to get into that. maybe some golden baseballs, too. Three, yeah, 3780. Doesn't Branham have some kids on his lawn that he needs to yell out? I've been known to do that. I'll yell at some people for getting on my lawn. This is Texas. You shouldn't, shouldn't step on some Somebody else's lawn. Uh, 2027. In fact, you can get shot for that in these parts. Uh, 2027. Pro bowler equals last man standing. That's a fact. That's a fact. That's, that's pretty why, accurate. That's why Minshew makes it. That's why Huntley makes it. Uh, because it is the last man standing. 1483. I care about winning real games. Uh, from from your lips. What is the old saying? From your mouth to my ears? Or is that Something how it goes? Like that, yeah. yeah, whatever that saying is, that's what I'm trying to say. 713-780-ESPN. Let's get to the Ben Johnson news. He's staying in Detroit. Can you believe that? Ben Johnson's like this unicorn uh, coordinator that just doesn't want to leave Detroit. When was the last time you heard somebody say, I don't want to leave Detroit. What is wrong with Ben Johnson? But what does this mean for Bobby Slowick? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Before we go to the break, a minute to talk about Daisy Dips. Daisy Dips are phenomenal. If you're trying to figure out if you're going somewhere or you're having people over to the house for the big game or you want to watch some sports and have some of the guys over to watch it, all you got to do is get some Daisy Dips because you don't want to spend all day trying to prep all the food. You can order out the pizza and the wings. You can get yourself a couple of bags of chips at the store, and then you go to the dairy aisle. You grab yourself a couple of tubs of Daisy Dips. Boom, you got it. You got everything you need, and no matter how good or bad the game is, the dips are phenomenal. Your guests are happy and full, and you look like a hero for putting out the right spread to watch that big game. Daisy Dips come in French, onion, and ranch. You can use them like you know you can in all the different ways you use those dips, from the wings to the pizza to the veggies to all the different bags of chips and the ways that you can serve it up for your friends and family. Go to the grocery store today, take all the work out of it and get everybody to be very, very grateful. You brought them in, get a couple of cubs, a couple of tubs of Daisy dips and enjoy the big game even more. It's 
It's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy this next bit of brilliance with Joel and Jeremy. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's the Killer Bees. We are the Killer Bees. He's blank. I am Branham. 713-780-ESPN. 713-780-3776. This guy, Jaybird, on the Twitter. Stop. Y'all be the first to hype some player up with X amount of Pro Bowls. Uh, multi-skilled experience. Player name is a great asset. Now, I don't do that. I I could not care less about Pro Bowl appearances. I don't either. I mean, couldn't care less. It, 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 again, like we talk about how the game has changed or how it's officiated or all these other things. The Pro Bowl changed. It used to be that they played real games. I, and I heard Connor and Beard trying to go back and see when was the last time a real, I don't think a real, real game was ever played, but there were some competitive score-wise games. But overall, it's the same problem we have with all the all-star games across the board. It's gotten to the point where no one wants to get hurt. No one, no one really cares about it except for the fact that if it's in Hawaii, that it was a great spot for vacations and they let all the players that made the game bring their families. But no one's trying to go out and like win that game, and they keep trying to find like ways to initiate more competition, like you know, in the All Star Game in basketball, upping the the value per quarter because you got to pay the guys more just to try and to get them to compete. If that's what we're trying to do here, then then it's just time to move on from. Yeah, uh, someone else in the uh, the Twitch chat, Ed Cortez, uh, he says, well, what are you supposed to do? Yeah, if Minshew's in the Pro Bowl, it's because many of the other quarterbacks dropped out. You want them to just roll with one or two quarterbacks instead of three? For what game? For what game? What do you mean roll with one or two quarterbacks instead of three? They're not putting together a depth chart for a real game. They're playing silly flag football Stupid. that no one cares about. You don't need a three-man depth chart at quarterback for a flag football game. Absolutely what, stupid. What What do you mean? Because the quarterbacks dropped out. They need three quarterbacks on one flag football team? What are you talking about? Yeah, I, I, like I said, it, it, to me, uh, just throw it to the wayside. Like, if you, the fact that we're doing, you saw one of the one, one of the competitions is closest to the pin. Yes. We are rewarding it. I mean, and, 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 I guess entertainment now is how good of a golfer are NFL players to get closest to the pin. And we should, this is part of being the, a pro bowler? They're going to they're going to Top Golf. They're, they're going to Top Golf and they're filming that and it's supposed to be entertaining. And I guess that's why you need three Is quarterbacks. Is it literally at Top Golf? I doubt it. I think it's at a driving range. It's I think actually stupid. I think I actually saw bits and pieces of this last year. Uh whenever they were doing I, I think they might have been doing a long drive contest last year. I think you're right. And now they flip, I, they, I think they, I remember seeing some of that. They could probably torque their muscles the wrong way and they didn't like that. So they're going to go with a little 100-yard shot so they can have nice little control and tempo. Just uh Ben Johnson staying in Detroit. Who who ever wanted to stay in Detroit for more than 2 years? I guess Eminem, Ben Johnson, <laughs> that's it. Uh but Ben Johnson shocking the world. He's a unicorn in the coaching carousel profession where he is twice as one of the top two, top three hottest names in the carousel, and said, no, I'm going back to Detroit to be an offensive coordinator, which isn't great because now Bobby Slowick is the betting favorite to be the next head coach for is the he? Washington Commanders. Well, he was second before Ben Johnson pulled his well, name I out of the Well, I just saw Graziano today. I haven't seen an update. I yeah, Graziano today on SportsCenter led the 11 o'clock by saying that the three leading candidates in Washington are Dan Quinn, Mike McDonald, and... Not Bobby Slow. Not Bobby Slow. Well, those aren't the betting odds, but that would be fantastic. I would love that. Like, yeah, because I'm like I'm with you. The minute that I saw, you know, Ben Johnson pull his name out of the, the running, I'm like, oh God. Now Slowick seems like the perfect candidate, but now Ovrabel might be that guy. I, it, I'm I, I've had it on the rundown, but the I, I saw that the the three guys in uh, 
in Washington and the two guys in Seattle, none of them were named Bobby Slowick. And I was extremely pleased about that because I want that ship to sail and I want the Texans to already start working on next year with all those guys in place with Stroud and Slowick and obviously with D'Amico. So I would hope that that's the case, but it does. it's a bit worrisome that Ben Johnson, we had this conversation. And I was, you know, I don't disagree with you, but I had suggested, what if Ben Johnson says no to everybody yet again? And you basically said, well, then maybe he's dumb because he's going to pass on the fact that maybe he won't get another offer after that. I think you're putting words in my mouth here. Okay, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to generalize it, but you said, why would he do that? Because of the fact that, you know, at a certain point, you're, you're going to start losing opportunities. And I, I totally don't agree with that. remember this conversation at all. Well, regardless, I'm not trying to say that because of you, but I'm saying the fact that we had the conversation and he just seems to be quirky that way, and I don't know what he's trying to be. I hope he got a raise out of this. I really do. They, I said, they said that he didn't. That's unbelievable Now, maybe to me. he will eventually. That you're passing on all these jobs, and then they're saying he's, the re- Schefter reported that the reason why that he wasn't getting these jobs was because he's pricing himself out. I get it. He's had a couple of years as the hot coordinator, but suddenly you're just going to start naming your price as a head coach when you've never the, done it before? The rumor was like 15 mil. Yeah. That's ridiculous. And then, and then Schefter went on to say like he's not the candidate that we have maybe built him up to be. Like, he was not the favorite to be the head coach in Washington. He might have been no, I disagree. the head coach in Washington, but at least the reports is that he wasn't a lock <laughs> yeah, to be there. I think Schefter's carrying a little water for Washington there. That's fair. That's so, probably very fair. Oh, Aaron Glenn, Mike McDonald, and Dan Quinn, are the, uh, according to Graziano, were the three favorites that Washington is planning on talking to again in the next day and a half. Seattle, it's Mike McDonald, and the, the sleeper is Giants offensive coordinator, uh, Mike Kafka. Gross. How uh, is Mike Kafka better than Bobby Slowick? He was uh, Kafka was interviewed with the Texans last year when yeah, Miko got the job. Yeah. Uh, the the my uh, it's not my bookie. It's bookies dot com. Their odds for the Washington Commander job yesterday. Ben Johnson was like minus one seventy five, and then Slowick was second, like plus three fifty. Hmm. So hopefully Graziano's right and Slowick is not because I was down to one percent on my Bobby Slowick yeah. leaving the, the Houston Texans. I was down to one percent. The only way is that Ben Johnson turns down Washington. I thought the reason that I had him turning down Washington was because Seattle stole him away, not that he was actually returning to Detroit. So now that Ben Johnson has pulled his name out of consideration, I went from 1% to 50%. Now the Dan Graziano thing that you just mentioned, I, I think has me down to 35%. So my 35, I'm at 35% Bobby Slowick is not the Texans offensive coordinator. Next I'm year. at 30. I'm at 30 with a lot of caution because of the fact that I, I mean, like I said, I was kind of flipping to the, the channels the minute the breaking news came out to try and figure out, like, how, you know, where is their focus going to be? And they said that the Washington contingent was on a plane. They were going to Detroit to interview both Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn, and now they're just going to go to Glenn, then they're going to get McDonald, and then they're going to get uh, Quinn. So I, I kind of had a sigh of relief there because yeah. I'd say it's 30 30% and probably rising in my mind, but that report kind of calmed me down a little bit. I hope that uh, we don't see a report that they want to have another conversation with him. Because if they want to have another conversation with him, it's like, eh, they're circling back. Because I feel like Seattle, no matter what, is kind of leaning towards a defensive-minded head coach. It feels like that's Quinn's to lose, right? Or or, or McDonald. Or McDonald. Yeah, Yeah, because they waited until after the conference Yeah, but I felt like on the flip side, Washington was really kind of offensive-minded. I thought they wanted to kind of take advantage of the weapons we mentioned that they've had. But I'd love them to hire Mike Vrabel and throw him in the mix too, or just someone with a name because of the new ownership. 
but I just don't want him to take Bobby. Corey says, as a Cowboys fan, I want Ben Johnson and Bobby Slowick to stay. I want one of them after next season in Dallas, LOL. See, like that's that could be what Ben Johnson's doing. Like Ben Johnson might say, eh, I don't really like that situation in Washington. They're not willing to hit the number that I want. I'm good. Uh, I don't really like what Seattle's doing. Like They have Geno at quarterback. They really don't have a path to trading for a franchise quarterback or trading up in the draft to select a franchise quarterback. And eh, I'm good there. Maybe Ben Johnson's just waiting for that turn key NFL opening where he can walk in and already have a really good roster day one. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much, you know, obviously we talked about the fact that next year there might be some premier jobs talent-wise if Philly and Dallas uh, are open uh, and if there's a couple others that pop up that maybe, you know, there's a you know coaches that say, well, that's a better opportunity for me to plug and play and win. But when you look at it and you're not a, a hot shot proven NFL commodity at head coach, and you're trying to name your price and you're going through two cycles and turning down jobs and saying, you know, not for me, not now. At a certain point, it is going to nip you in the butt and people are going to say, why am I even bothering wasting my time with you if you might not be interested or you might think you're worth way more than we're willing to pay a coach? Yeah, I, Until somebody wants him really badly. I mean, the best job in the last two years would have been the Texans job. Would have been the Texans job. And he pulled his name out of consideration right away. This year, he pulled himself out of consideration after the NFC championship. They didn't make the playoffs last year. So I, I think that this is him being selective. And look, we're mocking it. But is it the wrong thing? Like, if you go to Washington and you don't think you can win in Washington and you make, you know, $8 million for four years, you pick up $32 million, obviously it's a lottery ticket, but then you're fired in four years, you're never a head coach again, or you wait two years to get the job that you absolutely want, maybe they meet your salary, like, that increases your, your like, longevity on the job. So, like, I've always been critical of, especially in the college game, where college coaches immediately, immediately leave. And it's like, is that the best long-term decision? A lot of times it's not. Right, right. And I think that, you know, you have to weigh the, the ability to say, well, at, at the same time, if you're not going to get that price now, what's telling anybody that you're going to get that price? I mean, Detroit could still have success, but you're telling me because they have success, he's not really showing you that he's mastered how to be a head coach anyway. So you're telling me that you, he, he's expecting that offer is going to go up? Or is it just about the fact that he didn't like the rosters, the ownership, and the situations that he was being interviewed for jobs for? Yeah, yeah. but how much of it, sorry, real quick, like how much of that is money, though? Because like he's turned down head coaching opportunities twice to make less money. So, like, how much is money a motivator for him? I, I would argue that it's not. I wonder if it's quarterback. Because, like, just, like, there's a realistic possibility. Like, Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Caleb Williams could all have new head coaches in 2025. Like, but, would, like it would not shock me if any of those quarterbacks point. had coaches openings available for their team. But if you think about it, what do they have? The number They have the number two pick in the draft? Washington yeah. does, yeah. Yeah, so you got the you turned down the number two pick in the draft and Terry McLaurin, and good offensive players, and some decent defensive players, with a new ownership group that seems like it's willing to back you and, and throw money at football and try to you know turn this thing around quickly. You could obviously, other than Caleb Williams, you could have your pick of any quarterback in the draft. I mean, it's not a bad deal. No, it's not. I, I, it's not. But like, even like Trevor Lawrence could have a new head coach in twenty twenty five. So like, mm-hmm. he, he'll. I think he'll have better options next. Maybe year. Maybe it's more established than young, yeah. un, unknown. Because it's, I mean, it's hard you to know what a Josh rookie quarterback's going to be. Yeah, he did. Yes, yeah, Josh Allen. Yeah, because yeah, you're right. Because Dallas, there was you. You were not talking about this the other day. There was like four right off the top that you're like, well, those are like playoff caliber teams that could be looking for a head coach for sure. 
713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line. We return Michael Lombardi, host of the GM Shuffle podcast, former NFL executive and GM. He'll join us next. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5.